Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Good evening again to everyone, both here in person and worshiping together with us via the live stream. We're so glad that you're here for this first of our Triduum services as we enter so deeply into the mystery of Christ's sacrifice for you and for me. I want to welcome everyone, especially from the Franconia Springfield Mission and, and Father Morgan. It's, Father Morgan is a dear friend and it is a joy to be able to um, do these services together jointly as we worship our Lord and remember his sacrifice. We're here again tomorrow night for our Good Friday observance at 7 p.m. And then on Saturday evening for the great vigil of Easter at 7 p.m., childcare for both services. So I'd encourage you to, to try to be present if possible for all of those services. And then this Easter Sunday morning, we'll share a little bit more about that a little later in the service. I want to begin by taking us back to the words that Father Morgan spoke during the ac opening acclamations for Monday, Thursday. For a time, we hear the words, this is the night. This is the night. Most of us are well acquainted with tonight's gospel reading from the 13th chapter of St. John's gospel. And we may even be aware of the cultural expectations at play there from the ancient Near East, that the washing of the feet of guests was a common custom in that day. It was necessary because people walked everywhere. The vast majority of roads were dirt at best, often mud. Dirt and mud then in many locations was polluted with animal dung and even human waste, especially in the poor and less developed parts of towns and cities. And the task of washing the feet of guests was reserved for the lowliest servant in the household, typically a slave. According to custom, a rabbi would never never wash the feet of his disciple, nor would a master ever wash the feet of a servant. Yet this is what we find Jesus taking the initiative and in doing for his disciples. For us to more fully grasp the impact of all that is unfolding, listen with me to how Jesus is described in the progression found in the opening acclamation of this night. This is the night that Christ, the Son of Man, gathered with his disciples. This is the night that Christ, our Lord and Master, took a towel. This is the night that Christ, our God, gave us this holy feast. This is the night that Christ, the Lamb of God, gave himself into the hands of those who would slay him. Verse 3 of John chapter 13 sets the trajectory for all of this, where we read that Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. Yes, Jesus was washing his disciples' feet, and that is a beautiful picture of humility and servanthood modeled to us by our Lord. And we should in no way discount or minimize the importance of this aspect, this servanthood aspect of what is taking place in this moment. However, 
we would be missing much of the significance of this act if we stopped there. Because there's so much more in addition to this beautiful imagery which is unfolding in this moment. Because Jesus' words, his every action, all point to and prefigure the imminence of his passion, the imminence of Christ's passion. Every action points to his impending sacrificial death. In what ways do we see this? Well, first we see it in that Jesus lays aside his outer garment and positions himself to wash his disciples' feet. This very act profoundly points to that which is fast approaching. It's interesting that the word used here by St. John, which the ESV translates laid aside, is also accurately translated laid down. And John only uses this word, these terms for laid down, these two words together in one other place in the gospel bearing his name. And that context as well relates to our Lord's passion where we read in John 10 verses 17 through 18, Jesus' words, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority, authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. Jesus laying aside his outer garments prefigures him laying down his life as a sacrifice for the sins of the world in just a few short agonizing hours. It's also important that we understand the configuration at the table for this meal. It's really not like the Renaissance art that we are so familiar with, with everyone seated at a big, long banqueting table facing, if you will, the artist or the camera. It's not even like everyone seated around a banqueting table on chairs, as would be our custom. And that day, banqueters sat or more typically reclined on couches with their feet pointed away from the center so that their, their, their head and their arms and the upper part of their torso was in toward the food that was being served. We can kind of roughly picture this, if you will, like spokes pointing away from the hub of a wheel in a sense. But that's important to grasp because in order for Jesus to wash his disciples' feet, as we read, he girds himself with a towel probably to keep both hands free. But he also has to physically get up and move outside of the circle, away from the center of focus, away from the center of activity to the outside of the group, away from the normal focus of the celebration. And without taking this imagery too far, I believe this also points profoundly to Jesus' coming passion and his separation and his isolation, even as now he's physically moved to the place of a slave and is separated from that, that circle of celebration with his disciples. Separation from this very group of disciples who would flee and deny him. Separation from this group, one from among them who would even prove to be his betrayer. Separation that ultimately led to Jesus being led outside of the city to be crucified on Golgotha. And there on Golgotha, in that moment of eternal necessity, Christ our God, Christ the Lamb of God, 
who poured out of his life experienced complete and total separation from God the Father. Think about that in the, if you will, the economy of the Trinity. That the only time in all of eternity there was separation between God the Father and the Son and the Spirit was at this moment on the cross of Calvary where Jesus was completely isolated and rejected as he bore the sins of the world. And in the agony of that moment, as we will read a little later tonight, he cried out prophetically, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All of Jesus' actions, even in the upper room, point to the events of his passion that are unfolding. Secondly, in these events, Jesus points to the necessity of being washed. Certainly the disciples didn't understand the magnitude of the moment. How could they? Think about it. What was coming was so horrific and of such eternal greatness and so incredibly profound. How could they, in their limited frame of human reference, grasp all that was unfolding? In light of the cultural norms, it is understandable for Peter to have protested Jesus' action as that which should be relegated to a servant or a slave. The greater significance of what Jesus' actions here point to are seen in his response to Peter not wanting Jesus to wash his feet. Verse 8, Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. If I do not wash you, you are not clean. If I do not wash you, you do not have eternal life. Being cleansed, inheriting life in Christ only comes through the washing of Christ that comes through the scandal of the cross. This is the night that Christ our God gave us this holy feast that we who eat this bread and drink this cup may here proclaim his perfect sacrifice. And the third thing we see in these events in the upper room is that Jesus calls us to follow him. Only Jesus, the sinless, eternal son of God, could lay down his life as a sacrifice for our sin. But in this most profound act of servanthood in all of human history, he does indeed call us to serve him and to serve our brothers and sisters in him. Verses 14 through 15. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Greatness in Christ's kingdom comes through death. By Christ's grace and power, death to self, death to our wants, our desires, our wishes. He calls us to death that leads to full surrender to the will of the Father. Death to the ways of being and doing which this world exalts. I have given you an example. And St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20, we read this. 
But Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever, whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus calls each of us who would be his disciple to die to self, to be washed by him, and to then wash the feet of our brothers and sisters in Christ, both literally and figuratively. figuratively. And he calls us to lay down our lives as living sacrifices for the sake of the gospel. This is the night that Christ the Son of Man gathered with his disciples in the upper room. This is the night that Christ, our Lord and Master, took a towel and washed the disciples' feet, calling us to love one another as he has loved us. This is the night that Christ, our God, gave us this holy feast, that we who eat this bread and drink this cup may here proclaim his perfect sacrifice. And this is the night that Christ, the Lamb of God, gave himself into the hands of those who would slay him. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.